This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Lynn litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Lynn Levy. Thank you, Daryl. Welcome, everyone. And thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution, a mini-seminar which will add tools to your mediation toolbox. We're brought to you by Lawyers Pacific Insurance Brokerage, Inc., the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals, and ADR Services, Inc. This season, our third, we're changing up the format just a bit. We're still providing insights into the mediation process, but we will be doing so through the power of storytelling. In each episode, you will hear a story about a conflict the impact that conflict had on the lives of the uh, people in conflict, and uh, how resolution was reached, as well as the lessons to be taken from the conflict. Uh, Today we'll be hearing about Nurse Mary and the Big Teaching Hospital, and our guide through this will be uh, Claudia Haggadis-Long, who is uniquely qualified both as a mediator and a storyteller. Uh, Just a bit of background on Claudia. Uh, Following her magna cum laude graduation from Harvard University and Georgetown Law School, she has been practicing as an attorney for 40 years, both as a civil litigator in small and large firms, uh, in-house counsel, at a large multinational bank, and in her own practice uh, as an exceptionally gifted and skilled skilled mediator. Uh, Claudia has mediated over 3,000 cases and is currently a member of the ADR Services, Inc. panel of mediators. Her mediation practice areas are wide-ranging and include real estate, banking, employment, discrimination, uh, uh, wrongful termination, wage and hour, uh, as well as Indian Native American tribal council disputes, a very unusual area to to practice mediation in, uh, as well as estates and trust litigation. Uh, Claudia is available to conduct mediations bilingually or entirely in Spanish if needed. She's trusted to resolve complex disputes with multifaceted and multidisciplinary legal, organizational, cultural, and personal issues. She's best known, regardless of the legal area, for approaching the matter with intense and thorough preparation taking a deep dive into the issues presented and reaching parties on a personal and human level. Claudia is also a well-known novelist with six novels to her credit, including Our Lying Kin, which releases in late February 2023, this year, 
And her fifth novel, which I just read, uh, Nine-Tenths of the Law, is an, an absolutely fascinating story. So, Claudia, thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution. Uh, it's, it's really great to have you here. Well, thanks for having me, Len. I'm very excited to talk about um, a particular mediation, tell the story, and see where it takes us. Well, let's let's just dive right in. Um, we've got Nurse Mary and the Big Teaching Hospital. And uh, Claudia, why don't you tell us what happened in that case? Well, first, let's uh, remember that given the confidentiality of mediation, the names have been changed to protect the innocent, the not so innocent, and the never were innocent. Uh, so, you know, understanding that we have changed not just the names, but some of the facts to preserve the privacy of the uh, people involved. But nevertheless, the bones of the story, as usual, come through. Um, Nurse Mary, fascinating woman, had been with um, Big Teaching Hospital, which I've abbreviated in my mind as BTS, um, for 15 years. And tragically, her husband became deathly ill. And she was a nurse. She knew in her heart what was going on. She urged her husband to get medical care, and he wouldn't because you know how that is sometimes. And eventually, she got him to the emergency room. And although he was in agonizing pain in his back and his belly, they sent him home with antacids. And she knew that that was not right. Two weeks later, she made him go back again to the big teaching hospital. And this time, alas, they diagnosed advanced cancer. And you're gonna say, Claudia, I don't think you did medical malpractice or personal injury. This is the basics of what happened to Nurse Mary. And it formed the background for her entire lawsuit later on. Um, she thought that her husband should have surgery and she told the doctor as much. And the doctor said he didn't think so. Nurse Mary realized he hadn't even read her husband's chart. Um, she was horrified and no, no surgery took place. Um, Mary complained and next the following week, her shift was suddenly changed to a shift that she had never worked. It was completely disrupted her entire life. She went to her union and they said, well, it's a temporary necessity. And despite her 15 years of seniority, she was rearranging everything to accommodate this new shift and her unfortunately dying husband. He declined, the cancer was incurable, and three weeks after he was admitted, he died. Nurse Mary, complained to the hospital about the treatment he had gotten. But she was advised and based on the advanced cancer, not to bring a malpractice suit and she did not. She did request bereavement leave and she was granted that. She extended her leave three times. And finally, after nine months, she was able to return to Big Teaching Hospital to work. She was let, let, Claudia, let me just interject a, a question here. Um, I, I'm, I'm uh, getting the impression that Nurse Mary and her husband uh, either had no kids or they were adult kids or did the did, did the children enter into this at all? 
No, they they had no children, unfortunately, for them, okay. because that probably would have helped matters a great mm. deal to give Mary somebody to talk to. Okay. In any event, she did return to work, and she was a changed person. She continued to work at her nursing work without fail, without problem, without error, but she kept noticing things about the hospital. And she kept complaining about them. She reported them to OSHA, Cal OSHA, medical review boards, the Labor Commission, the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, and every other place she could possibly report them for every single little thing. But the biggest thing that she was worried about was she felt that the nurses were not reading the charts ahead of surgery. And we know where that came from. But maybe she was right. Right. Well, we are going to take a break. And when we return, we are going to be hearing a bit more about Nurse Mary and how the hospital uh, reacted to Nurse Mary's complaints, how that affected things. And uh, Claudia uh, will again guide us through this story. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder, Lucy Barron, for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy, and we are hearing the story of Nurse Mary and the uh, the teaching hospital and uh, the conflict that uh, that arose from that relationship. Our our guest is Claudia Haggadis Long and Claudia will be uh, continuing the story right now. Chapter two. The novelist in you has, has come out. Yeah. I, I have to you have to stop it at, at a you know a cliffhanger and go to the next page. Um, so one of the things that was critical from a legal point of view um, in this story is that Nurse Mary was never ever written up for any error, mistake, lack of diligence in her nursing. She was an amazingly competent operating room nurse. She started arriving early for her shifts and checking over other nurses' computer activity to see if they'd adequately reviewed the charts. She started sitting close to nurses at the break room, but not with them to listen to their conversations. At one point, she stood so close behind a new nurse, a young woman, that the woman was so startled, she went to HR. She was terrified of Nurse Mary. And yet, she was only looking to find whether they were reviewing charts because that had entered her heart as a result of 
her husband's experience. The hospital was not happy. Every time she went to another agency, every time she frightened another nurse, they talked to her. They said, you know, Mary, you can't do this, don't do this. But they couldn't do anything because she was within her rights, obviously, to go to OSHA, to go to to the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, to go to the labor union, to go to any any particular agency she felt was necessary. But one day, just as she was leaving for the weekend, one of the supervisors said, trying to be friendly, she was relatively new, <laughs> Mary, what you got plans for the weekend? And Nurse, Nurse Mary turned around and stared at her and said, yeah, I'm going to the shooting range to practice my marksmanship. You want to come? The supervisor went to HR and Nurse Mary was fired. Just based on just based on the one statement. So the the reaction, the reaction from the hospital was we've got to take action here, right? From a legal point of view, they, you know, we, we live in, in very trying times and any, you know, threat of violence in the workplace has to be taken extremely seriously. And the hospital took that as a threat. But much like Mary's reactions, these had been built up for a couple of years since her husband had died. The, the hospital was on edge with her. And she was on edge with the hospital. And so, so, so the, the the nature of the relationship was was really somewhat toxic at that point. It was, but yet she continued to be an extraordinarily competent operating room nurse. And right. they're those are they're gold, you know. And so she was she was fired within 24 hours of that comment and the hospital insisted that this is a violation of the handbook it's unequivocal that there shall be absolutely no threats of violence in the workplace mary said i didn't threaten anybody i invited her i've been going to the shooting range with my husband we used to shoot skeet and it's a it's a release for me i enjoy it I'm actually an excellent shot. And nevertheless, the um, the dismissal stood. Uh, needless to say, Mary sued. And this is where we we come in, right? Right. Well, at, at this point, um, Mary does what? What she 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 goes to an attorney. She goes to her union. Where does she go? She starts by going to her union and her union has backed her up every time in all of her other multiple, multiple hundreds of claims here. And she's, you know, the union counsels her, but the union also knows that she's been at this for a while. And so there's, there's a balancing act taking place and She's ultimately not reinstated, and it's extraordinarily difficult to find a job as a nurse with on your record that you've been dismissed for threats of violence. It's over. Yeah, that that would that would have a tendency, I think, to have a chilling effect on wanting someone in the in in the uh, 
it, it, to join you in, in in another hospital setting. Yes. But also think about the fact that if anything happened and she had made that threat and they'd known about it, besides, besides not wanting anything to happen in your hospital, your workplace, your school, or anywhere else, you'd be responsible. You knew. You had warning. And you passed it off as yet another Maryism, you know? So in any event, a lawsuit was filed. And despite, um, you know, informal efforts between counsel to, uh, you know, discuss the possibilities, the hospital was adamant and Mary wanted $18 million. So Mary was, could not stop going back to the weeks that her husband was in the hospital. When she would talk it over with her lawyer, she would say, but, and when my husband was in the hospital, they didn't read the charts. I knew they weren't reading the charts. She would go back to that issue as what almost what caused her termination. <laughs> I guess in a way it did. And the hospital would go back to, we can't have threats in the workplace. And they hit a wall. Well, you know, one of the one of the things that comes to mind, and I and I really did pay attention when I read nine tenths of the law. There, I want to read a quote there, and I from from that book, and I want to see just how this might apply. Uh, the main character. It's not important at this point to get into, but she protected herself with her own version of the facts. I couldn't look at the facts, so I denied their very existence. Her way was braver. She knew them. She just rephrased the narrative. So was there some rephrasing of the narrative that was taking place in the context of Nurse Mary and big teaching hospitals dispute? Well, I wrote that. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, both sides were rephrasing the narrative as they as every in every case you know each person tells the same story from their own point of view in fact nobody's lying here you know and in most cases right. nobody's lying people are looking at it from their own lens and telling the story not only as they see it but as their mind has created it in their memory to work with what they need to know, what they need to feel. Mary can't see outside of herself that her reports were not to make the hospital better necessarily. They were because she was so hurt and so angry and so often so right. And the hospital can't see that this is somebody who was so injured by their other behavior that she really needed to be somehow addressed in a different way. But as mediators, ultimately, isn't it our job to reframe the narrative in a way that both sides can live with? Right, right. And and what, what we have is uh, a what we refer to as a below the line issue what's what's really driving what's really driving the thought process of 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 
uh, primarily Mary, I think, uh, in, 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 and maybe the, the teaching hospital sees things in, in, in a particular way, black and white, violation of the, of the manual, violation of law, perhaps, and, and, and that's what we have to do. Well, we're going to get back further into this dispute. We're going to talk about how the matter came to, uh, to mediation. Uh, before Claudia. And uh, we're going to take a break. This is Masters of Dispute Resolution. And uh, I'm Len Levy. We're on podclips.io. Most attorneys need professional liability coverage, but very few are professional liability experts. And there are so many options when it comes to legal malpractice insurance. How do you know how much coverage you need? What should your policy limits be? What if you've had a past claim? You shouldn't have to take time away from helping your clients to research professional liability coverage. And with lawyer-specific insurance brokerage on your side, you don't need to. Their professional liability experts shop California's leading insurance carriers to find your firm the right coverage at the best price. Lawyer-specific founders Al and Debbie Hernandez have over 50 years combined experience working with the highest rated providers of lawyers' professional liability insurance. So trust the brokerage with access to over 40 carriers in California to find a cost-effective malpractice insurance solution for your firm. Go to LawyersPacific.com and click Request a Quote. Welcome back, everyone, to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Lynn Levy, and we are honored to have as our guest, uh, Claudia Haggadis Long, author, mediator, arbitrator, and um, we are hearing the story of Nurse Mary and Big Teaching Hospital. Uh, when we broke, we were talking about there was a lawsuit, and we are now going to learn about the mediation, how it came about, and what took place during that process. Claudia, please take it away. Um, one of the things I wanted to say was that the lawyers did try to settle it on their own. This was one where we had a couple of extremely experienced people on each side, and they they had private discussions between counsel. They they had a uh, they met after a deposition and tried to discuss possibilities, but the clients were deeply entrenched in wanting to each side wanted to tell their story and nurse mary could not get off of her narrative about her husband and the hospital uh, the hr person and their in-house legal department and everybody could not look away from the it's a violation of this important important important, critical in our day rule. And it was a true, true impasse. So finally, they came to me. And both counsel privately said to me, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how you're going to get my client to change her or their minds. And that was you know, it's gold because you're, you know, both counsel know what's going on. 
And they're, they're cognizant of the fact that their own client is entrenched as opposed to the usual demonization that goes on of the quote other side. So they came to me and each side said adamantly no joint session. And, you know, I think like most mediators, I've gone over to the dark side and said, no joint sessions, fine. We'll just get together quickly for me to give my confidentiality speech and remind you of how we're going to do this. It's all on Zoom at this point. And so I said, all right. But the, I said, surely this is the kind of case where at least Nurse Mary needs to tell the hospital what what she's suing for why she's here and both sides said no 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 no. we've had depositions we've had demurs we've had every single possible thing we know each other's cases backwards and forwards we need to have you hear it let, let me interject a question here because yeah. This this is not atypical. I mean, there's the I don't know how you're going to do it comes up all the time. Um, And and I, I think very often, not always, but very often it's because people are trying to the attorneys are trying to reconcile positions as opposed to reconciling interests. And that might be. Uh, is that something that that occurred to you in terms of approaching this uh, this mediation? Well, that's a, an interesting way of phrasing it, um, because, yes, we're trained to look at the positions and and try to say, well, where do they line up and where do they diverge? And what is the amount of money that's necessary to bridge that gap? I mean, isn't that's all it's it all it is. Right. But um, the humans involved and I leave the lawyers out of that equation are um, more concerned with how do I make my life right or how do I make my corporation safe? And so, yes, you're right that it's it's the interests that need to be aligned, not the positions. In this case, it was the opposite in a funny way. Both sides completely understood why the other party, or at least counsel, completely understood the intransigence of the other side. It was, we, you know, I don't know how you're gonna do this because my client is off the rails. I don't know how you're gonna do this because my client is ridiculously stubborn. And so that's that was an interesting little twist for me. Um, and when did you discover, did, did you have pre-mediation uh, session uh, uh, conferences with each attorney separately to, to discover this? You know, I have um, not generally done that, and I didn't do that in this case. I I know that that's an, a very, very good thing, and I always offer it to counsel if you'd like to have a phone call ahead. But it's not part of my routine, and it is part of many, many mediators' um, routines to make that a requirement. I can barely get people to brief usually, so <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful when they show up and actually know that, know their cases. But um, the the in this case both counsel wanted to talk to me separately right off the bat and instead of having to do that careful little dance where you say now i may speak with the attorneys without the clients but i'll never speak with the clients without their lawyers 
if I need to borrow your your lawyer for a moment, may I do so? Now, both of them were like, we need to talk to you right away. <laughs> and I was like, Got it. okay, that's good. Um, and so we didn't have any joint sessions, but we had almost the equivalent of this pure communication between counsel and me. They knew each other already. They didn't need to do this. It was with me. And so we, we proceeded immediately with separate sessions. And the thing that was most noticeable was how long this took. Each side took just hearing their stories or their positions or their arguments. At the end of the first day, and I don't usually go into a second day, I'm one of those one and dones, you know, at the end of the first day, we had only gotten through what the clients wanted to tell me on the first round. In other words, wow. Yeah. And it this this mediation took four sessions. Wow. I was shocked that mm -hmm. this was the case. But Nurse Mary kept going back until she felt heard, until I could say to her with truth, I understand what you're trying to tell me about your husband. And that, you know, and, you know, we talk a lot about active listening. Well, that's garbage. You know, this whole thing of saying, I'm going to mirror what you say and try to say it back to you better than you did. It's not right. They tell it to us far better than we can. Active listening means truly engaging deeply with your speaker. And when they're finished with what they've said, you don't go, yeah, well, and then onto your own agenda. You stay with it. And that's what this took. It was deep listening without mirroring or any of the other things they suggest you might want to do. Well, parties parties need to feel that they've been heard, and how, and and obviously, um, uh, and jumping ahead, this that that there was a, a resolution that that took place here, um, and could not have taken place without your conveying that, um, but conveying that genuinely is a real skill that mediators need to develop and um and and it, it it's un unique really to the to the mediation process a, a, as opposed to having an attorney go through that same exercise with the client uh the attorneys should understand what their clients true interests are uh, and can use some of those same skills but but uh, to get a resolution um, and, and convey that, uh, how did you? How did you then translate that into a uh, in, into reaching resolution? I think we are uh, we're going to be taking a break, and and when we come back, that question and others will be answered. Uh, we are. Uh, on Masters of Dispute Resolution at podclips.io, and we'll be back right after the break. Thank you. 
Masters of Dispute Resolution is sponsored by the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. NADN is the premier invitation-only association of civil mediators and arbitrators in the United States, with members in every state of the nation. Only experienced ADR professionals who are widely acceptable to local plaintiff and defense firms are invited to join the Academy's roster. The Academy's website, NADN.org, is the most widely visited neutrals database in the world today. With over 40,000 law offices, insurance companies, and corporations visiting our free website annually. Firms can search for neutrals by many criteria, including location, case expertise, qualifications, language skills, and most NADN members also publish their available dates, calendars, online, making NADN.org the go-to website for law firms wishing to schedule appointments online with their preferred mediators. For more information, please visit www.nadn.org today. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. We're on podclips.io, and uh, we are chatting with Claudia Agnes Long, who uh, is going to be telling us about the lessons to be learned from the Nurse Mary Big Teaching Hospital story. You know, uh, before we broke, Lynn, we were talking about the... um, the, the, the way to actually hear one's client and you made it a, a perfect point in a way lawyers need to hear and listen to their clients and understand their positions but they can't buy into them and I think that that's that's critical in keeping a professional um, I want to say distance but a, 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 a professional view of your client's case. And so when counsel kept going back to Mary's situation, saying, but Mary, this is not a malpractice case against the hospital. This is a termination case. Um, we can't be talking about your husband all the time. Um, he was right. But at the same time, when I was listening to her, we were talking about her husband most of the time. And it was important to truly hear her. And it's not even to give the impression of truly hearing, it's to truly hear. And interestingly, because corporations are people too, just ask the Supreme Court, um, you know, there are important parties in the uh, defense side that need to be heard as well and respected for their position. It was not enough to hear them and say, yeah, yeah, but you're gonna look like a terrible person in front of the jury. It was important to understand and truly reach them on what they were doing to protect the hospital, their employees and themselves. And so it's more than just active listening, It's truly deep listening. And that ended up being the key. It ended up being the key to resolution here because each side felt that I as the mediator and therefore as the neutral in a quasi judge way understood them and understood why they were right. 
and help them see that there had to be a solution to this. Um, threats don't work. Settlement is voluntary. And that's the second important lesson from this. Settlement is voluntary. The mediator has to be prepared to reach the clients on a voluntary basis. They have to want to settle the case. Nobody wants to settle a case because they're afraid they're going to be embarrassed or lose. People want to settle the case because they want to walk away from this with it over more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the reaching the heart of the party on both sides was what I had to do and what counsel had to do. Reaching, reaching their hearts because there's a story there too. And the attitude on arrival was so entrenched on both sides. And to look at it as from the legal point of view, who was going to win? The whistleblower or the violator of the employee employee manual. In other words, we had to look beyond that. And that was, I think, incredibly key here. What, and what, 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 what uh, and sorry to interrupt, but, but uh, I'm getting the impression Mary had to realize something and the hospital had to realize something. And from, from a standpoint of, of, of of her going back, Mary going back and back to the husband, you know, I, I think maybe her head and her heart were, were not in the same place. Exactly. And her lawyer kept saying, Mary, all of this is not going to bring him back. And I kept saying, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Mm. And <laughs> I, what I was trying to say was, look, one of the most important things is for you to understand that you are right. They need to read these charts. And you are valuable. And you deserve to be able to live your life and have the future you're entitled to. And reaching her on a look forward basis. And for the hospital, I will confess that I did have to remind them that each of us goes, you know, to a hospital terrified mm -hmm. as patients. We are helpless and we are generally ignorant. Mm -hmm. And we hope to high heaven that the doctor and the nurse have read my chart. Mm -hmm. And if the jury feels that, you know, she was protecting us from the fact that we are helpless and we don't we have no way of knowing if they've actually read that we're allergic to this or that we have blood thinners don't give us more you know all of these things she's going to win and they i think understanding it's not the employee manual it's are these patients safe and that moment of realization was almost a classic aha. And that took me reaching out of the case, out of the story, out of everything I'd been told and putting myself into it for a moment and saying, how would I feel if my spouse or my child was in the hospital? 
I would want to know they read those charts. Right. And that reached them. That reached the uh, in-house counsel. What was the resolution that was ultimately agreed to? Who who suggested it? Was it you? Was it one of the parties? Was uh, How did well, that happen? It was an interesting thing. It was a three-part resolution. And one of them I will, you know, be very proud to say that I came up with. Mm-hmm. And the three-part resolution was money, which mm-hmm. was a fraction of what Nurse Mary had come in wanting, which was $18 million. And that did not happen, I absolutely assure you. Mm-hmm. It was a substantial amount of money, um, a good amount of money, but what the hospital had been willing to pay. I knew that already, you know, but to get married to take that. The second thing was that she needed to have a neutral reference, a reference that said basically that where, you know, her position and the years she worked. They did not have to say she was a great nurse. Any hospital would see that very quickly, but she needed to have a neutral reference, not that she was terminated for making threats, because technically that's not a threat. It was an invitation. And the third thing, and this was the part that was most gratifying, is that the hospital agreed to have a chart review, um, continuing education, if you will. It was a short online course that each of the operating nurses took every other year. And it had it was an interactive, so you had to answer questions. And it was a reminder to check all of these different items on the charts before you go into the operating room. And that allowed me to say to Nurse Mary, you have been vindicated. You have righted a terrible wrong and for the hospital, I was able to say, hey, your, your, your insurance company is going to be overjoyed if you do this. I mean, they're going to be delighted. So that was how that worked out. And I was very happy with that. As well, you should have been. I mean, th- this is, this is a, a story that uh, contains a, a, a great number of lessons uh for for us uh, many of which we've we've kind of covered through the uh, through the course of of your telling um is there any uh overriding lesson that you take away from this particular case that you know this this is a way for me as a mediator to uh, apply something i learned in this case to to other mediations I would say that the thing that I learned most was to take take my time to tell everybody if it's necessary, we'll do two separate sessions. You don't have to come on the Zoom until noon. I'm going to be hearing from plaintiff because I, like I said, I'm kind of a one and done person. I speed things up. I try to get to the heart of the matter as quickly as possible. And usually that's great. People appreciate it. But when you when you see this case coming down the pike when as lawyers when you see this case going to mediation tell the mediator we want we need all the time you can give us well thank you thank you so much claudia this this has been an extremely meaningful uh, meaningful session for me uh i i will tell you i 
I've got a number of takeaways from this and um, but we're out of time. And uh, so we're going to uh, I just want to ask you um, if if people want to get in touch with you for mediation, uh, what's the best way to do that? Um, the, the very best way is to go to the ADR services website and you'll um, you'll see contact information there. And we have fantastic case managers who figure it all out for us and we'll get you on the schedule. And um, that's probably the best way to set up a mediation. You want to talk to me? Email me. I'm always ready to to take long chats with you, but they're and you need to email me first. And your email uh, is on the uh, ADR services website or? Absolutely. You- Absolutely. Okay. It's right there on the website and you can right. find me there. And, you know, otherwise, you know, um, uh, IndieBound has all my books. <laughs> right. right. Well, th- thank you so much for this conversation, Claudia. I, I hope we can do this again sometime this uh this this has been a lot of fun for me and thank you daryl wayne uh, my engineer and, and producer i i'm your host len levy and this is masters of dispute resolution on podclips.io powered by infogen labs inc i hope you will continue to listen and enjoy the stories we bring you um and in the meantime stay well keep listening and remember Peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are resolved. If you wish to contact Len Levy, you can reach him through his email at lslevy at adrservices.com, through Len's website, lenlevymediate.com, telephone him at 818-903-5562, or contact his case manager at ADR Services, 213-683-1600.